blunt. Do you like to be blunt? Absolutely. We don't sugarcoat shit. Listen, Listen Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 12 noon Pacific Standard Time. You'll hear things you've never heard before. Renegade Talk Radio. This is Renegade Talk Radio. The most shocking and most offensive radio network in America. My name is Luke El Giovanni. This is Luke El Giovanni Show. on the program today. Carl's a former congressional candidate, Navy SEAL, author of Battle at the Home Front. Also a Donald Trump surrogate, which Mr. Hickby has agreed to defend some of Mr. Trump's comments. Brave man as he is. This is Carl's third appearance on Luke Giovanni show. Fourth appearance together with me. Individuals are free to peruse the archives of RenegadeTalkRadio.com. tackling some of the biggest stories of the day and we're going to get to it all in just a moment All right, this is Luke Elgiovanni Show. I'm Luke Elgiovanni. I'm a journalist with the anti-media, Occupy Democrats, the biggest leftist publication in the world. Also the editor-in-chief of WTF Magazine, formerly the political and criminal reporter for Examiner.com, one of the biggest websites in the world. I'm also one of the most red leftist journalists in America. And Carl Higby's here with me. We're going to be discussing pretty much anything that we choose to speak about, some top stories. So hello, Carl. Thank you very much for joining me. I know you're a very busy man. You have all types of appointments. Appreciate you taking some time. Hey, thanks for having me on, Lou. Oh, I appreciate it, Carl. So you know what? It was a long intro. I want to dive right into it, Carl. I was digging that music, though. Oh, thank you very much. It's called Hero. That could be applied to you since you are indeed an individual who served in our United States military, somebody who is a former Navy SEAL, former sniper. Um, by the way, you know, Carl, if you ever want to come out to Las Vegas, friend of mine named Eric Brashear, he owns Shoot Las Vegas, and he has a variety of weapons. Perhaps we can put you to the test, see if you're still as sharp as you were back in the day. I'm in. Absolutely. Just let me know. So I'll tell you what, Carl, I want to start with some rumors about Hillary Clinton, some rumors about Donald Trump, about the Iranian nuclear scientist. Are you familiar with this story, sir? 
Oh, sure. I mean, well, I mean, first off, let me uh, I'm no longer a Donald Trump surrogate. I'm actually the spokesman for Great America PAC, which is Donald Trump's super PAC. I also run his communication department over there and stuff like that. So we're uh, we're working on the same team, but slightly parallel to each other now. Fabulous, Carl. You're moving up the ladder. And I'd like to see that happening for uh, an individual who got their start on Renegade Talk Radio. So for Renegade Nation, who is unfamiliar with the subject, we're going to be talking about uh, Sahara Mamiri's execution at the hands of the Iranian government. Um, Donald Trump said that Hillary Clinton had something to do with this execution. Um, since you are indeed the spokesman, Carl, I'll give you first dibs to lay out your case why that is, and I'll respond to you. Well, I think let's examine the fact that he did say that is she responsible and she could be responsible. I mean, he was uh, the, the fact of the matter is, it's like Iran has been at war with the United States since 1979. We haven't been at war with them, but they've been at war with us. They shoot down our drones. They take our soldiers. They take our civilians. They take anybody. Who want. And if we're giving them four hundred million dollars for four civilians, I mean, hell, they, they are probably it's not a bad financial decision to take American citizens hostage. That said, um, did Hillary Clinton's uh, lack of security on her homegrown email server contribute to this guy's death? I think probably not. But is there a sliver of, of possibility that some transition or some exchange of emails or, or documentation over her server could have been hacked that led to the fact that the Iranians knew that this guy was you know, part of us and he was here willingly. I mean, allegedly the guy said to Iran that he was being held hostage here and he was, but he was actually free to go. So when he got back, I mean, who knows at this point now, would it surprise me if Hillary Clinton had something to do with it? Probably you know, not at all, because let, let's be honest, like she's not exactly a straight shooter in this whole email endeavor. So, I mean, Lou, it's one of those things like, does Donald Trump make headlines? Absolutely. And does he say stuff that pushes the envelope? A hundred percent. But you know what? He's, he's on to something. Here. He's got a point. Well, Carl, I mean, that's I, that's a very interesting spin that you offer to the story. Um, when you talk about uh, him claiming that he was held hostage, uh, he claims he was held hostage after he was already in Iranian custody. The Iranian government is known not to be the most friendly of individuals who they believe were committing espionage against their country. Um, do, do you think it might be possible that he was coerced into saying this through beating, through torture, through the threats of his family that he would say that, uh, you know, that what happened to him was the fault of the United States rather than the Iranian government stating that? Oh, sure. I mean, that, that could be. I mean, we're, we're, we can sit here and, you know, be philosophical all day long about what could have, would have, should have. But the fact of the matter is, is, like you just said, Iran is not friendly to the United States, especially if they think they're working for the government for us. Um, and he could have said that he could have uh, you know, he might have been able to try to cover himself up by saying that he was held here hostage. But then the exchange of emails of, by Hillary Clinton saying that, like, oh, he was free to go at any time. Was that a contributing factor? I don't think it was the sole reason, but it could have been a contributing factor to um, to this whole uh, this whole hollow blue and, and ultimately him getting the death penalty. Well, it's, Carl, it's interesting that you say, you know, could have, would have, should have when I ask you the question, because that's pretty much essentially what Donald Trump says. He says a lot of people are saying that. So I think in one hand, you're saying it's OK for him to speculate. On the other hand, it's not you know, necessarily OK for me to speculate on the subject. And I think it's speculate all you want. I, I will speculate. Thank you, sir. And I think yeah. it's I think it's very important 
to understand the key point about this, that, you know, individuals want to walk down the subject of the Iranian nuclear scientist. His story changed numerous times from before he was recruited by the CIA and then his story changed to he was studying in the United States government. He was studying in the United States and then the CIA arrested him and forced him to work with the United States. Um, for an individual to constantly change his story and then for Donald Trump to imply that Hillary Clinton had anything to do with this, uh, the nuclear scientist's mysterious story wildly predates Hillary Clinton's email scandal. This story was well known before it happened. So uh, personally to me, I don't see how that impacts him being executed by the Iranian government, which is a fascist, totalitarian, religious, extremist regime. Um, I think that Mr. Trump is once again creating things out of thin air. And of course, you say he creates headlines. But is that something that a presidential candidate should be doing, creating headlines rather than telling the truth to the American people? Well, how do you know he's not telling the truth? I mean, you, you're sitting here, you're speculating that it did not have anything to do with Hillary's emails. What's to say that it didn't? You know, it absolutely didn't. I mean, it, did, is there some sliver of evidence to prove that Hillary Clinton's emails were not a contributing factor to this guy's uh, ultimate sentencing to death? Uh, you know, uh, Carl, I think the onus is on individuals who make allegations to present evidence. Trump presented no evidence. He just says, well, maybe some people are saying, I don't know. Um, it's not a court of law. I mean, he can make any allegation he wants. And this is politics. You know, people make tons of allegations in politics. <laughs> well, you know, as you said, Hillary Clinton did say that he was free to go. He was free to come. The decisions for him to stay in the United States were his alone to make. Um, I think I think the main point that individuals listening to Renegade Talk Radio should pay attention to is that him leaving and his execution and all of these his his knowledge of being an Iranian spy was known well before Hillary Clinton's emails were ever released. Um, so I don't see how her emails are tied to his death. Mr. Trump has tied it. Uh, Tom Cotton has tied it. Um, but who I well, here's, here's another thing, Lou. You've been covering politics for quite some time now on a very effective political tool and everybody uses this on every side, is create the discussion. And that's what we're doing right here. We've had 15 minutes of discussion on this topic, and Donald Trump has created the discussion. You're covering Donald Trump, you're covering a scandal that Hillary was involved in, and it's getting airtime. And that is a very effective tool because it allows people to be, you know, with two sides, you and I right now debating it, it allows people to form their own judgment rather than be dished facts, true or not true, they're we're, we're having a clear discussion and people are allowed to and able to derive their own decision from it. Absolutely, Carly. I appreciate you making that point. Also, I appreciate you being on the program with me. I think it's very important for individuals of diverse viewpoints to be able to share their uh, opinions without there being any type of insults, although I'm welcome to them because some of them may be true. And We've, I hate you, Lou. Hey, you know what, Carl? <laughs> that, that's okay because you know what? People are people are still going to read. They're still going to listen. That's true. That's right. So um, we're going to close out this segment. We'll be right back. My name is Lou Calgiovanni. This is Luca Calgiovanni Show. Thank you for listening. Be right back. Thank you. Are your freedoms being destroyed? Like free speech? Shut up! Then fucking stay here and be blunt about it. Shut up! Will you shut up? Be right back. Luke Giovanni show. We're back with Carl Higby. Round two of the debate. A lot more interesting topics to discuss, ladies and gentlemen, Renegade Nation. Carl's agreed to talk about anything that I want to talk about. 
brave Navy SEAL that he is. So Carl, we're back. Thank you very much for being here. Appreciate it. I want to ask you some questions about comments made by Donald Trump in Wilmington, North Carolina today. First of all, I'm sure you're aware, since you've already said that you're working very closely with the Trump campaign, Donald Trump said, you know, that he essentially wants his supporters to use Second Amendment remedies against Hillary Clinton. What does that mean to you? Are you familiar with this quote? Uh, so I didn't see the speech. I saw the headlines. So I'm working off just what, what I've seen in the headlines. Sure. Um, sure. Uh, yes, yeah, which I'm, I'm sure pretty much covers it all. So um, the fact of the matter is, is let's look back to the origin, origin of the Second Amendment, which is, you know, the right to keep and bear arms. It's a well-regulated militia. It's intended for people to not let the government be tyrannical. That's fine. Now, was Trump call, calling for an armed revolution? Absolutely not. You know, he, he wouldn't do that at all. But I tell you what he was saying is the people have the option. So let's say Hillary Clinton appoints a wacko Supreme Court justice, a, a ninth, and then maybe subsequently um, somebody else drops out and, you know, she gets to appoint one or two more, which she probably will during the course of the next eight year presidency um, or whoever is president. So. Will they overstep their bounds, especially on the Second Amendment? Now, look, the, the, the greatest thing I love about the second pro-Second Amendment people is we're the guys with the guns. The anti-Second Amendment people are the ones without the guns. So, you know, Trump is calling to say, you do still have this right. It's a right endowed by our creator. And if you feel that the government is taking advantage of you and is not representing you anymore, you have the Second Amendment in order to use on your behalf. That's what he's saying. Sure, I think that's I think that's kind of a nice dodge. The actual quote was Hillary wants to establish a essentially abolish the Second Amendment. And by the way, if she gets bigger judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is. I don't know. It's once again with Donald Trump laying this invective where he says something and then lays claim not to have said something. What else could he have possibly meant? No, I, I totally agree with the statement. I mean, the fact of the matter is if Hillary Clinton tried to abolish the Second Amendment with her Supreme Court justices that she may or may not appoint, she would lose. She would not succeed. You would, the military would not back it up. Law enforcement would not back it up. And the gun lobby, the gun section of America, which is about 100 million people, almost a third of the population, holding 330 million weapons would say, no, come and get them. And there's not a law enforcement officer in the country that would want to take on a sea of pissed off 100 million gun owners. I mean, I, I agree with you that there are 300 million gun owners in America, but I also agree that 90% of the American people believe that gun regulation is something that should happen. Hillary Clinton stated in her Democratic National Convention speech that she doesn't want to take guns away. She stated that she wants to make sure that people who shouldn't have guns do not get them. Individuals right. who have history of mental health issues, individuals who have a history of violence, felonies, stuff like that, which is not necessarily the topic of discussion because, once again, Donald Trump brought forth a point that there's no evidence for. What evidence does he have that Hillary Clinton wants to take anybody's guns away to, with which to begin, Carl? You know? Well, she was a, a strong proponent of the Brady Bill. I mean, that's they, they banned assault rifles under her tenure, which she says she wants to do again. She said when she was a senator that she would like to have a gun-free society. So, yes, she did say that she does not want guns in the society. It's been a long-term platform of the heavy left Democratic Party to not have guns. Bernie Sanders is the exception because he's from a pot-smoking, you know, hippie town that carries guns, which is Vermont. But the fact is... 
most of the Democratic platform, most of the people in office right now don't want the citizens to be armed. And the fact is gun laws work. And if you look at the fact that America right now is about even or about at the 50 percent line of murder rate in the world. If you take away the top five democratically controlled major cities in the United States, we are bottom three right next to Switzerland, which, mind you, every household must by law own a gun. The number one is Honduras. Honduras has the highest per capita murder rate where guns are banned. So let's talk about the democratic platform and could it actually succeed in taking our guns? I don't think so. I don't think I don't think it's going to succeed either. I don't think the Democratic platform is calling for removing guns. Certainly, Carl, you know, as an individual who's now kind of a reluctant leftist, I've been sucked back into the political scene. I've been sucked back into Democrats now because Donald Trump, I feel, poses such a threat to democracy and such a threat to freedom in America that I have no choice but to stand up and speak out. Listen, there are some Democrats who want to take guns away, but at the same time, there are some Republicans who want women to stay barefoot in the kitchen, not be able to have abortions, do a variety of things. We could all point towards... Yeah. So what what is the threat you see in Donald Trump? I'm I'm curious to see because nobody's actually articulated this to me. What is the threat? I mean, we the threat is first of all Donald Trump is an individual who has literally banned reporters from attending his rallies. He's an individual who has banned entire newsworthy publications from attending his rallies. He's a guy who says that judgments that are made against him, potential judgments, are not recognizable or legitimate because of their ethnicity. Donald Trump's a guy who says that that all Muslims should be banned from the United States of America. Um, He released his economic plan in Detroit where Elizabeth Warren says that and Elizabeth Warren is an individual whose economic viewpoints I agree with. She says that he's only working. (laughs) Hey, you know what? Whatever. You know what? Hey, you know what? I'm not necessarily defending her use of Indian uh, heritage, but I believe in her economic viewpoints when she says that Donald Trump's essentially creating a tax plan that benefits billionaires and doesn't benefit regular people in America. So, you know, those are just some of the few of many problems that I have with Donald Trump. So let's let's break. uh, How much time we got before the break? About four minutes, sir. Okay, cool. So let's break down the, the Trump is a racist factor, okay, real quick. Not that Just I for the listeners said, out there. Not that I so, said that, but go ahead. No, 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 I know, but that's that's the, the, the follow-on. I know I see it coming because of the Muslim comment. So um, let, let's. Donald Trump has always been in the public eye. He was never accused of being racist before he ran, you know, before running as a Republican. I mean, he worked with um, – Tons of people all all through his life. He worked with Jesse Jackson to bring blacks and minorities into corporate America. He fought to include blacks and Jews at his Palm Beach goal. Of course, in the 90s, he fought against the city who was trying to withhold black membership from his uh, from his country club. He had the highest support from minorities for Republican candidates in decades right now. You know, they they uh, Donald Trump's policies will bring. Um, economic prosperity to the middle class Hillary Clinton. She's been caught on tape in the past when she was back in when her husband was the governor in Arkansas of saying that goddamn N word. Okay, she was endorsed by a grand dragon of the KKK, refers to African Americans as super predators. All right, panders to the minority vote. She she insults them by changing her dialect to sound like this, like a, a little inner city dialect, which is it, it's pandering to them and it's it's condescending. I mean, Hillary Clinton supports private for-profit prisons and the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which both negatively and disproportionately impact Hispanic uh, and African Americans. I mean. There, there, there are literally could not be two starker difference. Like Donald Trump is 
for minorities. He is for the uh, the uh, equality of all Americans. I mean, this is like, Lou, this is this is a, a narrative that's being spun. And I, I'm quite frankly, I'm sick of it. Well, you know, Carl, uh, that was quite a gish gallop that you performed there. Gish gallop for listeners, Renegade Talk Radio is an individual who provides a bunch of facts but doesn't assert anything, doesn't offer any evidence. I mean, first of all, when we talk about the KKK, uh, didn't David Duke endorse Donald Trump? Um, the, to me, that's that, that's that's one point to be made. But and he disavowed it, and Hillary has yet to disavow hers. You know, well, you know what? That's that's one point. But the second point is Trump is for minorities. Uh, all polls show nearly 100% of African Americans in the United States are supporting Hillary Clinton. So how can there be any support? Where, where's that poll? Where, what do you mean, where's that poll? You tell you what, I can't pull it up and show it to you right now because we're doing this over the radio. But if you want to, if Renegade Talk Radio listeners want to, they can pull that poll up. They can see 99% of African-American voters are supporting Hillary Clinton. Now, there are few and far between who are supporting Mr. Trump. I encountered some myself. I chose not to uh, engage them. If individuals want to follow me on Facebook, they can read about the encounter themselves. But come on, Carl, you really think that there's a a, a large swath of individuals who are either Hispanic uh, ethnicity or African-American who are supporting Donald Trump? Really? Is that is that what you're offering to the Renegade Talk Radio listeners right now? Uh, Yeah, actually, and the one thing I'm watching right now is the Real Clear Politics poll, which puts 31 percent of African-American vote going to Trump. Okay, well, 31 percent. We'll see. You know, I think I think that's I think that's wildly inaccurate, but people can judge it for themselves. We got a little dragged off the topic earlier, Carl. Um, We got a little dragged off. It's okay. People enjoy this type of back and forth. But the point remains about the threats, and I consider them to be threats by Donald Trump towards Hillary Clinton. There is standing that what Mr. Trump said is a felony. There is standing in the United States Code under 18 U.S. Code 879, threats against former presidents and certain other persons. And Section A says whoever knowingly and willfully threatens to kill, kidnap, or inflict bodily harm. And Section 3 says a major candidate for office of the president of the United States or vice president of the United States. So... If Donald, so it, what did he say again? He said uh, that maybe the Second Amendment people will do something about that. Exactly. So the, the, did he solicit at all any type of bodily harm? You know, that's the beautiful thing about Donald Trump. He he feigns statements. He says things, and then his his political correspondent individuals come out and say, "Well, you know, that's not necessarily what he meant." That's exactly what happened today. His campaign immediately came out and began performing damage control and said, "Well, you know." They obviously weren't talking about using weapons. They were just talking about voting. Um, I don't think that's the case. I think that Mr. Trump carries heavy clout in the United States of America. And I think when he tells Second Amendment supporters to use their rights against Hillary Clinton, I think that that means they should use their weapons against them. Perhaps you have a different opinion and that's okay. Yeah, well, Lou, I mean, that's that's your interpretation of something. But I think if we were in a court of law right now, they would say, what is the direct threat? What did he threaten to do? Nothing. He's made no threats whatsoever. He simply said, maybe the Second Amendment people will do something about it. And instantly, left wing people push the narrative of like yourself, where it's saying it's a felony to do this. It's a felony to do that. Well, it's also a felony to remove emails from a classified setting. And then it's a felony to lie to Congress. And then it's a felony to um, withhold information from Congress under a subpoena. So, I mean, you want to talk about felony? These are things that Hillary Clinton's actually done. Donald Trump made no felony. He made no threats. I mean, I'm still waiting to hear the actual threat out of this. The simple interpretation that you didn't like what he said is not a threat. 
I don't know, Carl. Kind of maybe it's like a mafia person. Listen, if you do this, you know, I hope your family has a nice day. I hope your family lives a long and prosperous life because it would be unfortunate if anything like something other so would it be a threat if if i said well you know like look if someone if someone's going to rape my daughter god forbid god forbid if i said if you do that i'll kill you is that a threat uh you know carl i'm not an attorney you sound more like an attorney than me with the contortions it's okay um we're coming to the end of segment number two mr higby author bell on the home front former congressional candidate donald trump you know communications expert this is luke el giovanni show we'll be right back thank you Your freedom's being destroyed like free speech? Shut up! Then fucking stay here and be blunt about it. Shut up! Will you shut up? Be right back. Renegade Talk Radio. Most shocking, the most offensive radio network in America. Carl Higby is here with me. Former congressional candidate, author of Bail the Home Front, author of Enemies Foreign and Domestic, and now a tried and true defender and communications expert of the Donald Trump presidential campaign. So Carl, welcome back. Here we are. Third third segment. You have fielded all questions, sir, and tell you what, I have to tip my hat to an individual who's willing to stand up and defend the rhetoric of Donald Trump, because quite frankly, I find to be a rather despicable individual. You are being an honorable man. You are defending what he has to say. And uh, you know what? Maybe you're winning some votes. Maybe you're losing some votes. I don't know. We'll find out in November. Oh, yeah. Now, Carl, are you familiar with this letter that was signed by 50 former Republican members who have been involved with national security in the United States of America, including former CIA director and NSA director. Are you familiar with this letter, sir? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, Carl, first of all, if you're familiar with the letter, uh, individuals who are not familiar, Renegade Talk Radio, Renegade Nation, live from Las Vegas, I'll just, I'll just, I'm just going to give them a little tidbit of it. They start out with a letter that says, none of us would vote for Donald Trump. None of these Republican individuals. Many who served with President Nixon through President George W. Bush. None of them are going to fucking, excuse me, none of them are going to deal with um, your candidate, your preferred candidate. But the letter explicitly states, most fundamentally, Mr. Trump lacks the character, values, and experience to be president. He weakens U.S. moral authority as leader of the free world. What do you think about that? Do you think Donald Trump weakens the moral authority of the free world? No, I think they're wrong. And here's why they're wrong is because and respect to their service and their time in. But they have been a part of a game that has been played for too long, too many ways without America as being considered number one, without America first policies. And you look at the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, how this has turned out and the policies of these people who had impact at certain points during this uh, during this campaign, as far as the Iraq Afghanistan campaign. Um, look at where we are and whether or not they've been listening to by the executive branch is irrelevant. These people failed the American people. And Donald Trump is changing the status quo. He is calling into question their leadership and their ability to make these decisions. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, it's working. I mean, he's garnered more Republican votes in any primary. In a 17-way primary, he took more than any other Republican candidate in history. People are noticing and people are pissed at the top echelon. And they're saying, move over, 
We want something new. And that's what these guys are nervous about. And they're trying to block him from changing the status quo, just like the Republican Party did until he squashed him. I think it's interesting. You know, it's true what you talk about. Donald Trump did solicit more votes. But at the same time, I can't imagine a time in American history where more Republicans have stood up against the official nominee of the Republican Party than Donald Trump. So, I've never seen more Republicans not representing the Republican message. I mean, you know, uh, perhaps we have a different perception of reality, but, you know, you have individuals who are sitting senators, sitting congressmen. When has that ever happened where a sitting senator, a sitting congressman in the Republican Party, the Republican Party that has been so vile and so obstructionist against Democrats and President Barack Obama to say that we're not supporting the nominee for our party. I mean, can you recall any other time in which that's happened in American history in recent memory? Have you ever seen a candidate like Donald Trump, one that's come from the private sector and is not taking public money all the way through the primary, one that's funded his own campaign, one that has pushed the limits of where we've become? Look, I mean, he's been saying the same stuff for 30 years. And quite frankly, Bill Clinton said the same exact things that he did. Along with actually Hillary Clinton said many of the same things uh, Trump has been saying when she was running for or when her husband was running for president. So, you know, the the narrative has changed. Donald Trump is not. And the issue here is that you have a number of people like Paul Ryan, who, look, you know, he's probably going to win his primary tonight against Nellen or whatever his name is. Um, but he's being pushed. They're being pushed aside by the American public public because they've gone to Washington. You know, Paul Ryan was a Tea Party guy, ran on, and he's just one example. Um, he ran on balancing the budget and repealing Obamacare, neither of which he did, neither of which he made an effort to. And the, while he was speaker, you know, he's been in house for 17 years, along with a lot of guys who signed this letter, have been in office for, you know, like Paul Ryan, 17 years and passed three bills. Okay, so what exactly are people annoyed about? They're annoyed with people not doing it. And the the Republican Party is trying to keep the status quo, to keep themselves in power and keep somebody out who's going to fundamentally change the system and make it work for America first rather than everybody else first. Well, you know, it's an interesting point to make it that Donald Trump's economic policies are going to be for America first. I think the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. I think Donald Trump's economic history in and of itself is something that the American people should take heart of considering what is what should they take heart of in his economic they should take heart of the fact for example that Trump Taj Mahal is going out of business Trump Donald Trump ran the business into the ground sold it savvily by the way I'm not going to say that he didn't make a good business deal for himself but when you're the leader of the free world when you lead a nation that has over 300 million people you cannot be only there for yourself Mr. Trump is obviously only there for himself. Well, when he was in business, he was in the business of Trump. And now he's in the business of America. So what do you think he's going to represent? I, 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 I'd like to dive a little bit deeper into that, Lou. What, okay. has he, what is his economic side that you, that you have so much disdain for? Uh, well, listen, Donald Trump, first of all, he offered economic policies, which I already say that Elizabeth Warren has said are not going to be advantageous for the people of America. What is Elizabeth Warren's net worth based on private sector success? I, you know, I don't have that information in front of me at the moment, Carl. I know that Pro- pro- approximately zero. She's made approximately zero dollars in the private sector. And I, and, and I think that's OK for an individual 
who is serving the United States of America. Quite frankly, I'd rather have somebody who's poor, who has struggled, who has lived through the fire to serve because the majority of Americans have no money. The majority of Americans struggle every day. So I don't necessarily think it's a great idea for individuals who are millionaires or billionaires to be representing me or my family or the individuals which I care about. So, Don't you want the people who understand major corporations and understand how to get a major job done? Don't you want those people running? He's been successful largely because he has pushed beyond the limit and understood the principles of the policies that you need and the hard work to get to where you are. Like, what is again? I'd like to say what what terrifies you about his economic policy so much, and what terrifies you about his personal economic record? Well, I'll tell you what. What terrifies me about his personal economic record, Mister Higby? former Navy SEAL, is that Mr. Trump refuses to reveal his tax information. Uh, unlike any other presidential candidate in the history of the United States of America, he won't reveal it, so we don't necessarily know what his economic record is. He says that he wants to keep it back before the IRS completes their investigation, but the IRS has come out and said emphatically, 100%, that there's no law preventing him from doing so, sir. So Mr. Trump refuses to release his financial information. There are a lot of individuals, and I feel very comfortable using the word a lot of individuals. Mr. Trump says there are many individuals while offering no evidence. There are a lot of individuals that are questioning why Mr. Trump refuses to release his tax information. When did Barack Obama release his tax information on his know. first term? Do you have or first election? Do you have that information in front of you, Carl? You're the expert. Yep. What, what? One, one month before the general. He so he's got... Trump's got two months. Okay, so you know what? You know what? Carl? Mitt, Mitt Romney did the same. Well, I, listen, Mitt Romney did the same, but Mitt Romney is a corporate capitalist. He is a cannibalistic individual who gutted corporations, who destroyed thousands of jobs to make money for himself. So I don't think using Mitt Romney is necessarily the best example for defense of Donald Trump and being in favor of the United States, being in favor of the middle class, considering that Barack Obama basically wiped the floor with him in the general election. Maybe you do, and that's okay, but, you know, the writing's on the wall, Carl. Yeah, well, I have a measurable respect for Mitt Romney. If you look what he did in the history of his career, he created $5 billion of net worth for the economy, of which he kept $250 million of it, which is his share of the $5,000 million that he had put back into the economy. He And he paid $60 million in taxes on that. That is, that is, who is really helping the poor here? It's people like Mitt Romney when he creates jobs. He's created tens of thousands of jobs that have paid salaries, that have paid house, you know, house payments, cars, mortgages, uh, kids' tuitions. Mitt Romney is the guy that you want running the f largest free market in the world, not a community organizer that hands out forms that are paid for by guys like Mitt Romney's taxes. Well, you know, it's interesting because I don't think Mitt Romney has necessarily come out and emphatically endorsed Donald Trump for president, although I'm not a Mitt Romney fan. I've never stated for the record that Mitt Romney didn't fucking pay a lot of taxes to the United States government. But you know what? We have gone quite a bit on this subject. I think the individual listeners of Renegade Talk Radio can make their own decisions. Thank you very much for that, Carl. Now, I'll tell you what, we're going to close out the program of Luke Algebani Show. We're going to talk about, did Donald Trump donate to NAMBLA? NAMBLA is a North American Man Boy Love Association. Did he or did he not do it? Um, uh, well, are, are you familiar with this story, Mr. Higby? I, I was not until you told me about it a little bit earlier, and uh, I'm, I did a little poking around at the Daily Beast article that you told me to. 
And I guess the quote is, speaking of tax returns, did you hear Donald Trump is refusing to release this uh, because Donald Trump donated to NAMBLA, end quote. And they also say in that same article, Donald Trump did absolutely unequivocally did not donate money to the North American Man Boy Love Association, which I, I think this was a, a wild swing from somebody trying to change the narrative. Uh, but hey. It's a wild swing, Carl, but I think it's very important. I'll tell you what, let me lay another, since you want to quote the article, let me lay another quote about M- Mr. Trump, about his refusal to release his tax returns. Maybe that's right, maybe that's wrong, but I don't know. Why doesn't he release his records? Why doesn't he release them? Now, you might think that that is the individual responsible for this, but it's not the individual responsible. It's actually Donald Trump in 2011 calling for Barack Obama's birth certificate to be released. So if Mr. Trump can inspire such vile rhetoric, why can't Mr. Trump sustain such vile rhetoric when releasing his tax returns? I mean, why is Mr. Trump not releasing his tax returns after the IRS has explicitly stated that it's not illegal to do so? Okay, so it's, you're correct. It's not illegal for him to release during an audit, but they did confirm that he was in an audit. So here's what you do is during that audit, what he did, let's say he releases his tax returns, presumably based on what he filed his tax returns on. Now the IRS comes back and says, oop, there's an error here, 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 and here. And uh, you owe us this or we owe you that. There is a discrepancy. Now it creates an entirely news media news cycle of Donald Trump, you know, tax fraud. And that's what he wants to avoid. He wants to make sure it's right, basically checked on the IRS because our tax load is so damn complicated that we cannot understand it even with lawyers and accountants. So he has the IRS double checking to make sure he is good to go. And once they clear him, those things are out in the public. You know what, Carl? I'm going to leave that to the American people to decide. We are out of time here. I appreciate you being on Luke Giovanni's show. You're always a gentleman. Carl can debate the issues without necessarily being insulting. Um, here we are. Do, do you want me to throw some out there or something? I, I mean, you know what? You, you had your opportunity, Mr. Higby. Perhaps yeah. you can come back and we can just have ourselves a real dirty show because at Renegade Talk Radio, we have the most shocking and most offensive radio network in America, which, of course, individuals who are listening should be aware, which you got your start many years ago. So, you know, that's it, Carl. We're done. We, 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 we've, had, we've had a lot of time. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Mr. Higby. So, uh, Carl Higby is the author of Battle and Homefront, Enemies Foreign and Domestic. I and mean, if you want to check that out on Amazon.com, my name is Luke Algevani. I'm one of the most read liberal journalists in America on social media. I am a uh, freelancer for the anti media Occupy Democrats. I'm the editor in chief of WDFMagazine.com, also the editor in chief of Ruthless Politics.com, formerly of Examiner.com, political and criminal. Writer, you can contact me for political and criminal consulting at elcalgiovanniaconsultant.com. You can also contact Richard Kepler, the founder of God, the founder of Internet Radio, anytime that you like. That's all for we have for you today. Thank you very much. Goodbye.